0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This podcast is scheduled for 10 questions. Fighting! Out of New York! Standing! At 5 feet 11 inches tall, and wearing the red, white, and blue trunks,
1: presenting Kyle Grant! Yes, sir. Thank you, Bruce Buffer. I am thrilled. They'd be bringing you another episode of 10 questions, especially because of today's contestant. If you're listening to 10 questions for the first time, let me get you up to speed. This is not just some idle chit chat. This is not uh, your grandmother's podcast. We don't have guests on this podcast. We have contestants. And what we also have, as the name might indicate, we have 10 questions. With 10 questions, there are 10 points at stake. I'm going to ask our contestant each of those 10 questions, which while they may not seem like it, are somehow, way connected to their life. If they get the answer right, they get 10 points. If they get them all, we'll see how it shakes out. You could get a zero, you could get a 10, or anywhere you please, it is up to you. So without further delay, let's get to this contestant, because this is a gentleman that I absolutely love. Today's contestant, huge fan of Little Caesars on the down low, he loves a pizza pizza. He grew up also a huge fan of Iowa Hawkeye legend Tim Dwight. He is currently the starting quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. And for reasons we'll get into, he is my favorite player in the National Football League. Ladies and gentlemen, a Big Ten Questions welcome to Kirk Cousins. Hello, Kirk.
2: It is an honor to be here, uh, to be a contestant. I'm thrilled and uh, can't wait to get started and compete. Can't wait to see what you got cooked up for me.
1: Kirk, do you know what you're getting into? Are you flying blind a little bit? Yeah,
2: I'm flying blind. I got no idea, but it isn't the first time. So here we go.
1: No, you're good at it. I've seen you. Uh, before we get to the 10, let's break the ice a little bit. First of all, you know, Kirk, you're going into your ninth season, but you're also going into your first pandemic season. We all are. <laughs> Bring us up to speed. You've been to Minnesota. You've been to the facility. What, what, did, what have they put you through? What kind of regimen yeah, have man. you gone through in this unknown?
2: Yeah, we showed up at the building uh, simply to get tested. Obviously, that's the first step. They want to see if anybody would be carrying the virus before we get started. So you have to have two tests spread out a couple of days apart. Both of those tests must be negative before you could enter the building and get to any kind of work. I mean, we're wearing masks. uh, uh, There's all kinds of social distancing. Instead of meeting in the traditional meeting rooms, we're going to spread out to larger rooms in our facility and meet in larger spaces. Uh, they've, they've repositioned certain staff members on the, in the organization to be involved with COVID protocol and not mm-hmm. do their normal job. So it's a moving target right now, but it's great to see how on top of it the, the Vikings have been.
1: i delighted in researching these questions, because as you know, you and I have a lot of things in common, a lot of the same interests. Here's the deal. I'm going to ask you the question. You do your best to answer it. If you get the question right, you are going to hear this sound. Okay, but if you don't get the question right, if it's wrong, which I can't imagine, you're a very sharp guy. If you get the question wrong, you're going to hear this. Also, Kirk, I want you to know you have what we call a coin toss. If at any point during the 10 questions, you just got nothing and you can't come up with an answer. Call for the coin toss and we will give you a 50-50 shot. Two selections you could possibly choose. And if you get it right, then you can use it, but you can only use it once in the 10 questions. That's it. Are you clear on the rules? Yes,
2: crystal clear. Got it.
1: Here we go with Kirk Cousins' 10 questions. Question number one. Let's try to get off to a fast start. Your category, Kirk, is mermaids. (laughs) The question, what Hall of Fame NBA center once revealed that his all time favorite movie was The Little Mermaid. Think, think out fame, loud. NBA center. Yep. Um,
2: he's got to have grown up in an era where The Little Mermaid was around his time because I don't think we're going back. I don't think Will Chamberlain in his 40s and 50s was <laughs> The Little Mermaid. So no. Oh, we're talking centers. My golly for some reason i gotta go with my gut right yes you gotta trust and i yep. could be way off base here but i'm gonna go with and i have to preface his name with the words the great because i never say his name without saying the great I, I gotta give it to the great tim duncan but i'm just that's a wild guess
1: all right kirk cousins says tim duncan for the hall of fame center whose favorite movie was the little mermaid that's not correct that is oh. incorrect Kirk, you're going to kick yourself, man. You know who said their favorite movie was The Little Mermaid? It's a guy I know you love. That's why I picked the question. The answer is David Robinson. The Admiral David Robinson. That was the other
2: name I was struggling with because I'm like, I got the two guys here, Twin Towers. Do I go Duncan or Robinson? I have always respected the Spurs. Ugh. I was so close, you know, the mentor and the mentee.
1: I also happen to know, if I can divulge this, Kurt, you have a very special garment uh, that has to do with David Robinson. Please tell us what it is.
2: I have a uh, uh, 1996, not to be confused with the 92 Dream Team. The, <laughs> the, I have the sequel, the 1996 Dream Team, when the Olympics were in Atlanta. I have a jersey of David Robinson on that team. I think I got it at a Coles in Lake Zurich, Illinois (laughs) in like that summer before the Olympics. And my brother, I think has the Hardaway, the Hardaway Jersey from, from Anthony Hardaway. But uh, yeah, I've always had it. It fits a little tight. I wore it to a um, OTA virtual meeting this spring and
1: uh, uh, I will never get rid of that Jersey. It's a great Jersey. And I also picked this question because it reminds me of you a little bit. Um, I've always said the reason you're my favorite player is I think you're the most authentic player. I'm going to say this. You can. I'm going to say it. There's 32 starting quarterbacks. I think about 23 to 24 of them are <laughs> posers. By that, I mean, they just are trying to be cool. They want to. And then there's six, seven, eight who you guys are really, really authentic. And I'm going to give you a quote. Doug Baldwin, the great receiver who's with Seattle for so long says the thing about Kirk is Kirk knows who he is. So Kirk, who are you? <laughs>
2: that's a great question. Um, well, you know, I, I appreciate you perceiving that. I, I do say that I've always kind of been comfortable in my own skin. Um, my dad has said going back to middle school, high school, you know, if friends were going to go one way, if I didn't feel like that was the way I was going to go, then I just didn't go. I didn't feel like I needed to be somebody I wasn't, which uh, I guess in the long run, that's probably at times maybe less cool than other people. But I'm okay with that. And, uh, thankfully I've got my wife to help me be cool. She just came in here before we started and, and tried to fix my hair. So she's still trying to <laughs> to help me gain some cool points here in my thirties. But, uh, who am I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a Christian, I'm a football player. I'm a, it's a long list. And, uh, you just try to be the, the best you can be every day. We're all, we're all trying.
1: It's funny, you have this dichotomy where on one part of your life, you're just this dad and this husband and the guy in the cul-de-sac mowing the lawn and you're really (laughs) proud of that. But the other side of it is you're a superstar quarterback in the NFL. It's like the dream life. So my last follow-up here is you can't look around a huddle at 10 other guys and lead them with Disney movies and Anchorman quotes and all that goofy stuff. At some point, the badass has to come out. Like, when does the badass come out of you?
2: Yeah. And with your football background, you know exactly what that's like. And yeah, it's there. I mean, I think you could ask my teammates and they'd say, um, you know, I think Chris Thompson, a teammate of mine in Washington, would say that Kirk was a nerd with swagger. (laughs) So there's, (laughs) there's a little balance, right? I mean, you've got to, you've got to have relational moxie. You've got to have some puts, you've got to have an ability to command a room and, uh, and have presence. You know, not a lot of people have presence when they stand in front of a room. Can they command it? And, um, you, you could be a nerd, you know, they say Bill Belichick's a football nerd, but you sure. better believe you better believe when he stands in front of a room, he has presence and he can command the room. And uh, I think that's what you want, no matter who you are. And, and I think as a quarterback, you've certainly, you know, you learn to have that and, and, and need it.
1: We have arrived at hashtag chutzpah for Kirk Cousins. It's <laughs> trending Kirk, but you don't have any points yet. You're zero for one. Let's get this thing going uh. here. Question number two on 10 questions, your category is beer. Your question. For the majority of Canada, what is the legal drinking age? For the majority of Canada, what is the legal drinking age? And I would only remind you, Kirk, you still have your coin toss in your back pocket if you want to bust it out.
2: Golly. The legal drinking age in Canada. And somehow this is supposed to relate back to me, which is really, really blowing my mind. But this goes to show your creativity. Um... So I'm thinking in Canada, either the same as the United States, 21, which would be a little boring. Uh, 18 comes to mind just because 18 is kind of the other age. And then maybe like 16, but I don't know. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think how this relates back to me. So I I really got nothing
1: for you. I'm thinking
2: 18,
1: 18. For the majority of Canada, the legal drinking age is 19 years old. That is incorrect. It's all right, Kirk. I know I've seen you make comebacks. You you sometimes play your best football when you're behind. You're 0 for 2. But 19, um, not only is it Adam Thielen's number, on a very heavy negative route right now, it is also kind of everybody's number because of COVID. 19 mm-hmm. has suddenly become an infamous number. You, along with a bunch of other players, tweeted that we want to play, but you want to play safe. Based on what you've seen so far and what you've heard, do you think you can do that?
2: Well, I think they're going to try really hard. I think more than anything, it was just we didn't, we don't, we didn't or don't have information. And I think that's what people wanted was whatever it's going to be, whatever the protocols are going to be, whether it's extremely safe, whether there is some risk involved we would like to know what it is. What are we signing up for? And I think as we got closer to camp and we did not have that information, it became harder to feel comfortable going back to camp, even if it was going to be very safe, just because we didn't know. And I think we're still trying to figure that out. But then we asked people who we think might be in the know and their answer back is, I don't know either. I'm in the dark. Uh So that just further shows how unique this is. And, uh, you know, the more we know whether it's risky or not, we at least think and make an informed decision.
1: What do you think is going to be like, like, you know, the first time you're doing like a full team period and you're in the huddle with the full offense and you know Rudolph has like a huge sneeze? Does everybody freak out? It's, it's <laughs> odd, right?
2: <laughs> what do you do? Well, I even think within the building, there's going to be a dichotomy of. People who couldn't care less about the virus have no concern about it, have never lost a minute of sleep about it. And then you get people on the other side of the spectrum who every second of every day they're Mm -hmm. consumed with fear about it. And so what you don't know is who's where on the spectrum when you first go back. And so some of it is just, you know, when you're with a smaller group and you know everyone in the group, you know, is not as concerned, then, you know, is there a way to not freak out when someone sneezes? But then the flip side is yeah, if you're in a huddle and you know one of these guys is is deathly concerned about it, you're not gonna disrespect him and sneeze in his face. So we've just got to <laughs> factor in our audience and the situation. But I mean, we're talking about wearing face shields and yeah, I don't know how I don't know how we're gonna breathe at practice if we're doing that. But at the same time, if if that's the protocol and we have to abide by it to have a season, we've got to find a way to make it work.
1: On that spectrum, if one is the person who says masks are stupid, you're all a bunch of lemmings, and 10 is I'm not leaving my master bathroom for the next 10 years, where do you land?
2: (laughs) I'm not going to call anybody stupid for the trouble (laughs) it could get me in, but I'm about a .0000001. Really? How come? Yeah, you know, I just... uh, again, I want to respect what other people's concerns are, but for me personally, if you're just talking, no one else can get the virus. What is your concern? If you could get it, i I would say I'm going to, I'm going to go about my daily life. If I get it, I'm going to ride it out. I'm going to let nature do its course, uh, uh, survival of the fittest kind of an approach and just say, if it knocks me out, it knocks me out. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be okay. Uh, you know, even if I die, if I die, I die. I kind of have peace about that. So that's, that's really where I fall on it. So my opinion of wearing a mask and, and is really about being respectful to other people. It really has nothing to do with my own personal personal thoughts.
1: I got it, Kirk. We're going to question number three. I don't need to remind you, you're 0 for 2, but as I said, you play your best ball from behind. <laughs> I, I, I'm
2: dangerously close, though. I mean, when you're, the answer is David Robinson and you're guessing Tim Duncan and the answer <laughs> is 19 and you're guessing 18. I'm dancing
1: around the answer. Okay. Interesting category here for question number three. Your category is Val Kilmer. Your question... Kirk, what 1997 Val Kilmer spy thriller, also starring Elizabeth Shue, sees Val Kilmer adopt 12 different accents?
2: I feel like I'm going to let you down again. Val Kilmer, the only thing I think about when I think Val Kilmer is Top Gun... Um, in 1997, I was like eight years old, so thriller movies with Val Kilmer were not high on the radar. Movies like Little Mermaid were. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna kick myself for this one because I know I know I will have been aware of it after the fact, but that doesn't do me any good. I, I'm I'm open to using the coin toss, but I really wanna the coin toss for the coin toss is to
1: ask if. You think I should use the coin toss. I I would say that if you can't think of the Val Kilmer movie where he does a ton of accents and Elizabeth Shue is in it, I think you should use the coin toss. I want to get you in the end zone here. I think you should use it, but you have to be the one to choose it, my friend. All right, I will take the coin toss. Let's give him the coin toss. Okay. So I give you two choices. And remember, this somehow relates to your life. This 1997 Val Kilmer movie, is it The Saint... Or is it The Island of Dr. Moreau? Which one? It's it's one of those two movies. It's one of those two. The Saint or The Island of Dr. Moreau? Which 1997 movie had him do 50 different accents and make out with Elizabeth Shue? Kirk.
2: I have a 50-50 chance here. I'm going to go... uh,
1: The Island of Dr. Moreau. He says The Island of Dr. Moreau... And unfortunately, it's another pick six. It's not right. Oh no. Craig, I feel terrible. It's the saint. It's the saint. You you never yeah, saw okay. the movie The Saint? You never heard I, of it? Honestly, I
2: feel better about not knowing it because I literally never saw that movie. So I feel better.
1: Okay. You know why this is a cool non answer for you? Because you know what you say? You say, Look, I didn't see the saint. You know what I do? I beat the saints. That's what I'm about. <laughs> And nobody else can say that. That's why I picked it, because of the Saints. um, The last football game you won was the Saints in the Superdome. That's right. If anybody doesn't remember, in large part, you won that game because of just a gorgeous, majestic, really seminal (laughs) pass to Adam Thielen in overtime. Kirk, have you ever thrown a better pass than that?
2: Not when you factor in the moment. And I remember when that play came in, I was so happy. I mean, we won the coin toss, so you knew, look, we got to score now. We can't punt the ball back to their offense. Yeah. we, I think we got a couple first downs cross midfield ish or right around midfield. And the play call came in, I think it was first and 10. And it was clear we're going downtown if we get it. And I was so excited. I thought this is perfect. And then got the line of scrimmage, got the coverage that, that I knew we were going to have a chance, came out of the fake. Adam was step for step with him, threw it up. And uh, boy, it was a weird feeling when you win a game in the Superdome because it goes so quiet. You feel like something is wrong. I know, but uh, but that was exactly the reaction you want if you're the visiting team.
1: So it was a no doubter in terms of where you were going, like in t- your progression, your drop back. It was an immediate. It's, it's Adam all the way.
2: Well, I would say from under center, you first got to kind of get a feel for the contour, of the safeties. Sure. And based on the safety being single high, I said, all right, we got a shot here. If it's two safety, it's going to be hard. Uh, it's probably a check down, but it was single high and you just got to come out of the fake and say, all right, post snap out of the fake. Where is he? And it was right where we wanted everybody to be. And, uh, and then, then it's just throwing the ball accurately. I'd missed that throw earlier in the season. And so they put it on the money. There was obviously uh, not only great in the moment, but then also made you feel better for the missed throws earlier in the
1: year. That was not only a huge win for the Vikings, a big moment for Adam coach Zimmer, everybody that was massive for you, man. And, I know that you're always a total pro and a gentleman and a diplomat, but there's a lot of people who really needle at you about what you've done, what you haven't done contract, all that type of stuff. And I'm sure you've heard it. You hear big game, this Monday night, this, I know you've heard it given all that buildup that had to be so, so sweet. Yeah, it was satisfying. I mean,
2: I, but, 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 I mean, whether you had had that criticism or not, to win a playoff game in New Orleans and and as as the six seed against the one seed, uh, to do that, or or maybe the five seed versus the two seed, whatever it was, to do that was a was a thrill um, and satisfying, regardless. But yeah, certainly more so, maybe just in the offseason, not having to have it asked about you all the time. You know, if you lose that game, then it's just brought up every single interview you do. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, but now, you know, it's going to be, can you win more? Can you do it at the highest level in the Super Bowl and, and on and on and on? And I think part of playing quarterback in the league is you kind of are always chasing something. So it's just on to the next mountain now.
1: It's tough, isn't it? You make the one of the greatest throws we've seen. It's this beautiful thing. You win in the Superdome and then you got to talk about the damn 49ers for the whole offseason. You know what I mean? Like it's what else of do you course. want from me?
2: Of course. And they're the real deal. I mean, that was a really good defense. And if, In some ways, if you lose, you want to lose to a team that you feel is worthy of. Going all the way, and after playing them, I thought, you know what, they're a Super Bowl caliber team that we just lost to, and um, you know, you kind of got to tip your cap sometimes to the other team too.
1: Great, great team, and you guys are as well. Not having a great round yet, Kirk. This is what I suggest: you're <laughs> over three. The path to seven out of ten starts now. Um, here, and here's what I'm going to do for you. Never mind all this nonsense about Val Kilmer and mermaids and stuff. I'm going to go with a classic, timeless category that I think might be wheelhouse for you. Your question number four, your category, world history. Here you go, in the one that you gotta have. Kirk Cousins, in which ancient Greek city state were seven-year-old boys put into military training? Yeah, so this is the first
2: one that I would count as a true layup, Come and on. Uh, I'm gonna go with Sparta, and that's my final answer. He says
1: Sparta, is he right? We're on the board. How's it feel? feels amazing. I mean, I,
2: I honestly, question three was one that really, I you know, was out of my wheelhouse. But question one and two, the fact that I was dancing around it, you yes. know, it's just, it just feels nice to win one, you know, to land feels on the awesome. for once.
1: And, and now we're going to get hot. I've seen you before. You heat up. You're clapping for the ball. Give me the ball. <laughs> give me the ball. We mentioned Sparta, of course, because you are a proud man of Sparta as a Michigan State Spartan. Can we just talk for a second about the legendary 2007 Michigan State quarterback room? Because I don't think everybody knows. Let me give you the rundown and then you're going to get in. Um, Brian Hoyer, who's now going into his 12th season, undrafted Super Bowl champ. Nick Foles, a Super Bowl MVP who currently has his own statue. And then Kirk Cousins, who is now the QB1 for the Minnesota Vikings. What are your memories of that room? Because you don't get that many pros in one room at one time.
2: No. And then Drew Stanton had just graduated and he was a second round pick who I think played 13 years. So you got Drew Stanton as well to add, not that he was in that room, but as a part of that, those years. And you had Connor Cook after that, who ended up going on and being a fourth round pick and probably was more accomplished at Michigan State than any of us. Uh, It's pretty remarkable. And I think it's just as remarkable that nobody really seems to know that or remember that when you talk college quarterbacks, you think Purdue, you think USC. Uh you know there's other schools that jump to mind but Michigan State people usually don't think about that and uh for whatever reason but when you add up total years in the NFL over the last you know decade it it'd be hard pressed to find another school that would have as many guys with NFL uh years stacked up the way we have so that was I remember showing up I was a two-star recruit I got a late yep. offer so at already I'm kind of like I don't know if I'll ever play here I probably might have just been a offered as a, you know, token offer at the end of recruiting. And I'm just going to be an arm and training camp. What is this going to look like? And then you go out and your competition is a guy who's been a 12 year vet and a guy who's been a super bowl MVP. And I was like, yeah, I'm definitely not going to play here. But little did I know, little did I know that was like the ceiling everywhere. But I was no. thinking that was just, that was to be at Northwestern and Purdue and Iowa, that that was what everybody was like. And I didn't realize, no, that was kind of as good as it gets anywhere.
1: It was a factory. And I, I just, I look at Foles. If anybody's listening to this and you've never seen the picture, Google the picture and you can see all of your, the whole quarterback room posing on the field. Nick Foles has this ridiculous, like flat ironed <laughs> haircut. He's like, he has the Rachel. He's tall. He's awkward. Like when you're sitting there next to Foles, Kirk, were you ever thinking like at some point? this guy is going to be the have his own statue outside of Lincoln Financial Field <laughs> and beat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl for the Eagles. Did he have any of that vibe? No way. We we, we used to joke
2: that he looked like John Heater in Blades of Glory, you know, the guy who played in yeah, right. Dynamite. We said that's yeah. who he looked like, so we kind of gave him a hard time for that. But I remember when he committed. So I committed, and then he committed. Yeah. And I was like, okay, we're in the same class, so we'll probably end up competing for the chance to play. And I looked up his resume, and he had gone to Drew Brees' high school, broken most of Brees' records, and played yeah. in the state championship game at the biggest division in Texas. And the movie Friday Night Lights had just come out a couple of years before that. And I'm sitting there reading his bio, and I'm like, this dude just lived the movie Friday Night Lights in reality. <laughs> and he's 6'5, 230 pounds as an 18 year old. I have no chance. So, I'm just glad that it somehow one way or another worked out for both of us. And we're both able to still be playing and we're going to be in the same division now. So that was, you know, 13 years ago. So it's just amazing to see where life takes you.
1: It's weird too, because 13 years after that, you beat Drew Brees in the playoffs. Like there's so many different (laughs) layers of this, right? It,
2: It just keeps going. And, uh, uh it is amazing but uh you also have to add that in that photo of the other quarterbacks clay charles who was a walk-on quarterback he went on to be a dentist so you got that going too. oh that's
1: huge <laughs> dr charles scraping
2: your bicuspids <laughs> dr charles practicing uh, dentistry out in san francisco so you got him to, oh, to the incredible. list of accomplished people
1: There there's something special about that room obviously and i've talked to different actors before who when they say they're as soon as they get on a set like in the first few days of shooting they know either like this movie is going to be terrible or I think we got something special here. How's that work in football? Like for, for this year's Vikings or for even some of the teams you've been on the past that have been good and some not as good. Do you know you're early in training camp? This is a special team or do you have to wait?
2: Yeah. I probably don't know as well as the coaches who have been around. Like I know like a Gary Kubiak or a Mike Zimmer probably has a much better feel yeah. after all the years they've been around and knowing what it looks like and being on teams that have gone to the ultimate, you know, I'm one at all. Um, you just start to kind of go down the list position wise and say, where are our holes or where are we deficient? And if you can go through and feel like as you name positions, that there's a guy there who can do the job and has proven they can do the job and it isn't an unknown. That's when you start to feel really good. Cause you say, this guy has been there, done that. And when you can add up and say it's across the board, I think that's when you really feel confident, but I've heard coaches say, they don't really know what kind of a team they have until week three or four in the season. And sometimes even later, so you just kind of, as the cliche says, take it one game at a time and see where it unfolds.
1: We're going to take this one question at a time as we do here. And Kirk, we're going to get to a category here that has a little bit of production value here. This is called Name This Movie. All I'm going to do, and believe me, <laughs> I, I wish in retrospect, I had taken out the question about the saint and put in something from Blades of Glory and you would have mm, nailed it. I'm kicking probably. myself. But this is a football <laughs> movie, okay? This is a, a purely a football movie that I'm going to play for you. Just listen to the clip. And identify the movie. That's all you have to do. We're going to start the clip. Kirk Cousins, name this movie. Starting defense. Place at the table.
2: Place at the table. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Yeah, baby. Starting defense. So... I've seen most football movies. There's a couple I haven't, and I have a feeling that's one of the ones I haven't. Oh no! I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess. Yes. But again, ugh, I'm gonna guess the program. Why the program? Because I haven't seen it, and that line is a line I haven't heard, and I'm wondering if it's the program because that's that's the one of the few football movies I
1: haven't seen. Kirk, the correct answer is the program. Let's go. We got it. Here we go. Two Process of elimination. Place at the table. Um, first of all, that's a gentleman bashing his head into a window and screaming place at the table. Which current Minnesota Vikings would best embody that role?
2: Well, in the past, it would have be Everson Griffin. <laughs> now, now really, the mantle has been passed and it's up for grabs and we're going to have to find out in camp. But uh, easy answer in the past. That's Everson
1: Griffin. Beautiful answer. Um, I I talk about place at the table because you fought so hard at so many different points to find your place at the table. You know, you mentioned two-star recruit out of high school, Michigan State. You got to battle for your position, and then it got really crazy. You get drafted, every boy's dream. Everyone, you're you're living the dream. You're drafted the NFL, and you're drafted behind another quarterback who is like a folk hero sensation. Robert Griffin III, not only the super high pick and the Heisman winner, then he goes on to become the biggest story in the NFL, doing things that not only you could not do, but no one's ever done things like this before. He was a sensation. So as you're standing on the sideline watching the RG3 explosion, what are you thinking?
2: <laughs> um I'll say that it certainly didn't turn out the way that I thought at the time. I remember when, when I was drafted and Kyle Shanahan called me like the next day and he said to me, uh, Kirk, I coached Matt Schaub in Houston. We traded for him. He backed up Michael Vick in Atlanta, three years of that. We traded for him in Houston. He started Mm -hmm. and he said, he said, that's my vision for you. Um, you know, you're going to back up Robert, obviously, hopefully you play well in the preseason and in three years, we'll be able to trade you and get some picks for you. So before I had really even shown up in the building, the vision was basically we drafted you to potentially trade you someday. Um, so it was a unique dynamic, but that was where my focus was, was play really, really well in practice, be ready. If, if somebody gets injured to go in and then got to play well in preseason games. And if you do that, hopefully there's some momentum. And a lot of times if your team plays well, that you can ride that momentum and then another team wants you. So that was where my mind wasn't after the, you know, Robert won rookie of the year. We won the division, went to the playoffs. That was still my mindset was, you know, play well in the preseason and hope that it can gain some momentum. And uh, never did I really think I was going to end up playing in Washington and Mm -hmm. starting so many games there.
1: So how does that jive though with the chutzpah? When you're told, "Look, you're not here to play. You're here to sit around for a while, and then maybe we'll deal you." I know that you're this uh, scrapper from the Big Ten who fights <laughs> for everything. Like, you're not going to sit here and be like, "Yeah, I guess I'll just let RG3 become a sensation." That's got to be tough.
2: Well, I think you know, just as important as having class, and uh, sure. class is class is hard to define, but you know it when you see it. And uh, to to have some kind of bad attitude or pout or try to usurp. Uh, the number two overall picks role as a starting quarterback is about as far from class as you can get. So I wanted to be the opposite. I wanted to be a guy who had the long view in mind, was going to show patience, was going to, you know, enjoy the opportunity to just be a part of it, learn, ask questions, you know, you know, to to better understand how to be a great quarterback, I needed to stand under other people. And uh, that included the coaches and Robert, Robert as well. So Um, that really was what my focus was. And, uh, I'm a guy who likes to plan, likes to know where things are headed. It's not so much that I needed to play right away. I'd be the first one to tell you that it was probably to my advantage to sit. And I knew that at the time I wasn't ready. Uh, but what I didn't know was where is this going? Where, where am I going? And that was tough to not really know, but, um, it certainly worked out.
1: It's the reason you're here. We're having this conversation now. (laughs) I mentioned place at the table, Kirk. Let's look at it now. I look at the NFL quarterback table and there's a section of these young, ridiculous sensations like Lamar and Mahomes and Kyler. And then there's there's the Hall of Famers and there's there's Brady and Breeze and Ben and all those guys that you were watching in high school. Where do you fit in at at the table? What is your place at the table right now?
2: Well, and I think that's the conversation, right? I think that's a really good question. You you have these guys who are at the back end of their career that when like Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl, I'm in seventh grade. Okay. Yeah. I, I I watched Tom Brady. I'm growing up in Michigan. I watched him quarterback at Michigan when the question was, can he be as good as Brian Greasy? And <laughs> right. and I watched Drew Brees at Purdue, you know, yeah. when he took them to the first ever their, their Rose Bowl for and first time in a long time, won the big ten. So I remember these guys when I'm a little kid in the backyard and now I'm playing against them in the playoffs. It's yeah. it's a weird dynamic where they're technically peers, but I've never really felt like they're peers because of how far ahead in age and accomplishments they are from me. And then like you said, I'd get into a place now where I'm going into year 9 and you're looking behind you at Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, you know, yeah. Tyler Murray and others who are Lamar who are accomplishing things like MVPs and a Super Bowl championship, you know, in year 1 and 2. So, you know, yeah, I'm somewhere in the middle. And um, I've always kind of joked that it'd be nice to see these other guys, you know, usher out the door, Breeze and Brady and some of these guys to open up (laughs) some more territory. But uh, uh, I think that's just the landscape we're in. And and, uh, whether it's, you know, a guy like Matthew Stafford, who's about the same age as me, although he's been in the league a little longer, you know, some of us are in the middle there trying to, uh, you know, fight along
1: with the rest of them. So let me take this a different direction. I just, it just occurred to me. Let's say there's a hypothetical where all 32 starting quarterbacks go out to dinner. All right, we're going to go to the Outback Steakhouse, and we're going to get a giant room, and it's a 32-man table. During that period when you go from the hostess stand to the table and you walk in, there's of that awkward shuffling of who's going to sit where. Who would you want to sit next to at the quarterback dinner?
2: Wow. What a great question. I have never been asked that before and uh I love the question. I would need to think about it for a while to give you the best answer. Um I'll I'll say this. Having been at the Pro Bowl, I found that to be a great opportunity to basically do that. Mm-hmm. And so my years at the Pro Bowl were Drew Brees, Dak Prescott, uh Alex Smith, Andy Dalton, Philip Rivers, uh Russell Wilson. Um so those are some of the guys I crossed paths with great already. Group. I trained with, I trained with Russell before the draft. So I've gotten to know him quite a bit in, in you know, closer proximity. Um, so I probably pick guys. I haven't had the chance to really connect with that. I really respect. And that would be like a Tom Brady. I mean, aside mm-hmm. from shaking his hand after a game, I really haven't crossed paths with him. So I'd love to, love to connect with him and pick his brain. Um, you know, I probably pick guys who are further down the road like that, like a Matt Ryan, um, you know, just jogging my brain, trying to think of guys who have been around the block. So probably those kind of names um, would be people that would, that would come to mind.
1: Who do you think picks up the check?
2: <laughs> uh, well, I think we'd all try to chip in. We'd probably all get the alligator arms like in the yeah, right. our...
1: And I give you three options, then... Kirk. You go either the oldest guy who would be Brady, either like the youngest guy who would be Joe yeah. Burrow, or yeah. frankly, looking at the news right now, I think I think Patrick Mahomes can kick in some cash. <laughs> yeah,
2: those are good names. I think Burrow's a good name. but uh, Or you just go highest projected income and we go online and say, who's supposed to make the most when it's all said and done? You can pay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. Incredible. Um, all right, moving on. Kirk's got two in a row. We're just past halftime. We're now moving into question six out of ten. Let's stay hot. Let's stay hot here. Your category for question number six, poker. You ever play mm. poker, Kirk? I played a little hold'em in high school, but I wouldn't say it's my sweet spot. It ain't mine either, so let's find out. This is the blind (laughs) leading the blind. Question number six, Kirk Cousins. Multiple choice. Which of the following is the strongest poker hand? A, four of a kind. B, full house. Or C, flush. Well, I know a royal flush
2: has got to be the strongest, so... If a royal flush is the strongest, I'm assuming a flush itself would be four of a kind uh, and the other one. So I'm going to
1: go with flush. Final answer. He says flush. And that's what we need to do to that answer. Flush it because it is not correct, Kirk. Four <laughs> of a kind beats a flush. Believe me, I Googled it 27 times to make sure it's right. So if
2: four I have a, a royal flush, if I have a yes. royal flush, actually four of a kind beats it.
1: Well, a royal flush is much grander than a flush uh, than your a flush. standard I see. Uh, garden variety flush.
2: I see I see. I see. So, I yes.
1: so right. um, the reason I bring that up is the category is kind of gambling. It's always <laughs> talked about constantly that you took the biggest gamble in NFL history, and you took it twice, leaving Washington, tagged, tagged again, and then it all worked out, you know, contractually, football-wise and everything. When you were going through that, did it feel like you were gambling?
2: No, I think I've never had the chance to really explain to people what all went on behind the explain scenes. It. Well, I purchased an insurance policy. <laughs> so if if anything, <laughs> happened, if anything happened to my health in those two seasons, the, the cash was going to come from the insurance policy if it wasn't going to come from the football field. And when you looked at just history of quarterback careers, obviously injuries are not so prevalent that, you know, you felt it was going to happen at any moment, but then also you just see that, Hey, you know, if you put up a couple good years and then, and then don't have a good year, there's still a market for people. I mean, people still get signed Mm -hmm. and still get on teams and still get other opportunities. So I didn't feel like the year was going to be an end all be all referendum on my career. I felt like I had already played well enough and accrued enough credibility that even an off year could still you know, provide an opportunity on the other side, so especially with so many coaches I had worked with already on other teams. So there wasn't as much risk in it as maybe media made it seem like. I think more importantly, it was looking at the facts and making a factual business-based decision rather than making an emotional decision on how mm-hmm. can I get money right now and mm-hmm. being willing to have some delayed gratification and say, look, it's better for me to, to, to postpone that for down the road. It'll end up being a better thing. And uh, I look back now with only a few years experience looking back and I see it was, a, it was the right decision.
1: It was definitely the right decision. It worked out well, but it's, it's still such a unique decision. It doesn't get made very much. You know, you, did, you handled your business, you moved on your next phase of life, and yet your name is constantly brought up on every TV show and every radio show because of what Dak Prescott's going through. And every time they talk about Dak, it's always the Kirk Cousins plan, the Kirk Cousins formula. Um, when you look at Dak, I'm sure you've seen some of this and you've been in his shoes before. What would be your advice to him other than get an insurance policy?
2: Hey, well, that would be my advice, honestly, it would be make sure you have an insurance policy. That's the cost of doing business. And if you're willing to write that check and, and, and pay for that cost, go play football. And again, he, he even far more than I did has a track record now where regardless of what happens in 2020 or 2021, he's proven what he can Mm -hmm. do. So it's really not going to change my perceived value of him or, or his value really to teams, I would think is pretty much steady. So, um, you know, if, if you have a desire for what you want and and you don't feel you're getting it, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, go play football and, and see what's out there next year. But I will also add that, to be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys is pretty special. Yeah. So that's you know that's not a that's not an opportunity that I would uh, be giving up anytime soon if I'm him. That would also be a piece I would add.
1: Yeah, and you knew you were in that division for a long time. I, I would I would close the the chapter on this with this, Kirk. I um I look at your relationship with Washington just like that, a relationship. It always seems to me like Washington is like an ex-girlfriend of yours and did so much for you and made your life better. And it was a great relationship for so many reasons. And then you went the other way. And now you moved on and found a lot of happiness and fulfillment. And you look up that girlfriend on Facebook and like, they're struggling. They're going through some things. (laughs) And you wish the best for them, but it's kind of not your business anymore. Um, I mean, they're currently, as of this moment, they're called the Washington football team. That's their team name. When you look back at that X, what type of emotions do you have?
2: Yeah, I think it's what you just said. There's a lot of gratitude. I mean, let's start with the fact that Mike Shanahan drafted me and coached me. I mean, that's, that's a coach whose name will go down in history. as awesome. one of the greatest ever, an icon. I got to get drafted by him, played for him. That alone was a thrill. And, and then you go to, I got to get coached by Kyle Shanahan. Uh, Sean McVay, yep. Matt LaFleur. Uh, this is my introduction to NFL quarterbacking was those so cool. four names. I mean, I, how lucky can you get? So you start there with gratitude. Then you go to Jay Gruden, you know, and his quarterback yeah. accomplishments and what he knows about the game and what I learned from him and how he developed me and Sean McVay staying on as OC, uh, you know, we got to throw the ball out with the Jackson and Pierre Garçon and Jordan Reed and Chris Thompson. I mean, I can go on and on. So You know, I got to play with Trent Williams, one of the best left tackles of all time. Uh, Just thrilled that I got to go there because you look back now and you see so many quarterbacks get drafted to places that are graveyards and they're just kind of stuck. And uh, to have those coaches and have those players around me put me in a position where I can be talking to you going into year nine.
1: The team name change, long overdue? Well, I just have been
2: confused as to... Uh, a lot of it and I'm probably getting into a hornet's nest to bring it all up but I'll just say that um, you know it'll be interesting to see what name they go to mm-hmm. and um, and I think ultimately you want to you know do what's best for your fan base whatever they want and you know they're the ones who really you put the product on the field for and um, you know we'll we'll see where it goes
1: it's kind of a democracy like that I guess if the fans want it you give it to them Oh, my son's trying to break in
2: here. Yeah, come here, got? Cooper. <laughs> Who do we got? Me, Dad. So my son oh, broke my in here. This is Cooper. Cooper's What's up, uh Cooper. This is this is Kyle Brandt. Can you say hello? Hello, Kyle. Can you say that? Hello, Kyle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> With a so, smile. The next category is about parenting, actually. So this is perfect. Question number seven for Kirk Cousins, who's currently two for six, and now we want to have him look cool in front of his kid. Uh, the category, Kirk, is bad. <laughs> the question. I recently showed my 6-year-old son Star Wars episode 4 A New Hope for the very first time. Which of the following completely terrified him? Is it A? Greedo. Go? B? The is? Sand People or C? Jawas.
2: In Star Wars episode 4 A New Hope, what completely terrified your son?
1: Yes. Grito, the Sand People, or Jawas, and it was one of them.
2: The last one, the Jawas, or whatever, however you pronounce it.
1: <laughs> the Jawas with the little hood and the lights inside. The Jawas. Yeah. Final answer. Yeah.
2: Final answer. Um,
1: <laughs> Cooper, I hate to do this yeah. to your father because he's my favorite player in the league, but this is incorrect. This is incorrect. <laughs> the answer was the Sand People. Uh, I'm still looking wrong, under buddy. my my son's bed and in the closet for Sand People. Um. you kirk you dressed (laughs) up as as um buzz lightyear for halloween why buzz i uh, have
2: well first and foremost because my wife bought the costume so you do as she (laughs) says but but also i mean toy story is awesome right we love buzz buzz lightyear don't we and who's buzz lightyear's buddy Uh, uh, woody Woody, that's right so woody we love toy story and we love uh randy newman who sings you got a friend in me right
1: Right. Oh, yeah.
2: So um,
1: I love good. it because we do the same thing in our house. A lot of Randy Newman, a lot of uh, <laughs> ride like the wind, bullseye. We, we say That's all right. that stuff, right? That's right. What is the um, what's the best part right now, Kirk, about being a dad? Best part.
2: Well, when I dropped him off for his little church school in the morning for a few hours yep. and before he leaves, he turns around and says, Dad, I got to give you a hug and a kiss no. before you leave. That, uh, that probably takes the cake, I'd say. But uh, him sitting on my lap quietly also is pretty nice, too.
1: <laughs> All right. Now, maybe you got to do earmuffs, but what is the most challenging part of being a father right now?
2: <laughs> he does it. <laughs> <laughs> most challenging part of being a father is probably it's nonstop. I mean, nobody told me just how hard a work it would be, especially at this stage with their ages. I got a two and a half year old and a one year old. Uh, and they do not play well together. <laughs> so, uh, and and they didn't tell me about COVID either when I had kids. Right. So, <laughs> going to work at some point becomes a privilege to have a chance to, you know, uh, get an outlet. But um, but we're doing well, aren't we, buddy? Yeah, we're doing well. That's
1: right. Um, you guys are doing fantastic as a family, Kirk. I can't lie to. You. I respect you too much. Two points only so far, but we're going to finish strong. And this is the category, question number eight. This is the one I've looked forward to more than any else. I'm so excited (laughs) for this. You're going to love this. This category is finish this lyric. We're going to play you a song, and the song is going to go, and then it's going to stop on a dime. When it stops, you have to say what the lyric is that comes next. In other words, if it's jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle, you have to say all the way. All the way, yep. So, Kirk, I'm going to play you a song. Do you have yep. any idea what I'm going to play you? I have no clue. Let's play the song for Kirk. And Kirk, when it stops, I need you or Cooper to finish the lyric. Here we go. Roll it.
2: Up over the others will fly. I think it's something like that. We're going to take it. Play it. Play it. Let to let him play it. Go on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's glorious. My Just sacrifice. drink in the stap. Drink it in. Kirk. We've had our ups and downs in this game. The second the opening bars of My Sacrifice played, you started laughing. The second the clip ended, you were out of the seat answering it. You were more sure of this than anything else. Um, can we talk about Creed for a minute?
2: Yeah, we absolutely can. Uh, I mean, goes back to middle school for me. I don't know how old you were when they were big, yep. but, I mean, that was the jam, going to the weight room in middle school, and you're going to get a lift in, and you got Creed playing in the background, and then – Someone decided they weren't cool. I don't know who that was or why, but someone decided they weren't cool. They went away, and I'm at the Redskins, and we're in the weight room, and Creed came on, and it's like, I don't hate this song. I never hated this song. Why can't it be a good song?
1: It's a fair question, and I agree with it. The tweet you're referring to, this is an infamous tweet. This is how the (laughs) Kirk Cousins Creed thing started, and I have the tweet here. Kirk Cousins tweeted years ago while with Washington, Today, the Creed Greatest Hits album, and I want you to know you did at Creed, lest they see it. Today, the at Creed Greatest Hits album played during a team lift. Today was a good day. That's a sensible tweet, and yet it became open for mockery and satire and everything. You love Creed. I I got Creed's back. I would ask you the same question you asked. What happened, a lot of music comes and goes, and it just, you forget about it. What is it that makes Creed so toxically uncool, according to these super sophisticated critics.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the question. It's a rhetorical question. I I remember hearing in the weight room, I hadn't heard. So people think I was like listening to Creed on repeat for the last 12 years. The (laughs) reason I posted it was because it came out in the weight room and I hadn't heard it in 12 years. And I was like, man, that was kind of a nice throwback refresher to my middle school days. I don't really know why that became the song you can't listen to. So like, I'm going to put that out there. I also at the time was naive to the fact that social media was a place for only mockery and satire. And that is the only (laughs) engine that drives it. So I kind of opened myself up on that one, but, uh, but it's, it's, you know, I'm not saying it's, it's needed to to be played at every lift, but uh, it, there's some good songs in there that he's got. It's not just, you know, it wasn't a one hit wonder. He's got a few others. So I actually found a separate lift time right before practice around the lunch hour where I could kind of get my, alternative rock music played. Uh, and so that was also kind of a strategic thing by me to get my music of choice.
1: I mean, the weight room, what is it it's supposed to take you higher? That's the whole point <laughs> of going into the weight room. So
2: really deep, really deep cut here. Um, got? I, I'm, I'm opening myself up, but I'm sure. trying, you know, I'm, I'm, that's what this interview is about. So as a slight joke, you know, there's some seriousness in every joke, right? I asked, to call, uh, I asked my marketing agent to call creeds marketing people and say, what would it take? This was like last summer to say, what would it take to get a private concert?
1: (laughs) And and
2: they, they, they said like, you know, for the right, you write a check, like he'll come to your house and do like an acoustic set private concert. So that's still kind of in my head, like maybe get Scott staff to come to my house with an acoustic guitar and play those songs.
1: All right. So oh, I gotta see what people questions. say then on social media. Yeah, imagine that. So you, you said <laughs> for the right check, he'll come to your house. It's not the band. You're talking <laughs> stab only with the leather pants and the tank top and the choker necklace. He's gonna come to your house and just do all the hits, like acoustically. Well, I mean the
2: dress code's optional, actually, probably strongly discouraged, but um yeah, I mean, just bring an acoustic guitar on yourself, and I'll bring my high school friends.
1: <laughs> All right, so you didn't do it though. And I know that you're always extremely classy and discreet about numbers as it comes to money. <laughs> do me a solid Kirk. More or less, right? This is, uh, let's, let's say it's a one hour set. <laughs> more or less, more or less than $10,000. Uh, the ask was higher. It
2: was higher? The ask was higher. That's pretty much why I asked Kyle was to, was to basically see, is this more or less than $10,000? Because if it's yeah. in that ballpark or less, you got to seriously consider it. All
1: right. Let me, let me put you this way. You're not supposed to talk about somebody <laughs> else's money. But Kirk, you make a very good living. You work very hard for it. Why did you not do this? Well, I still have time. You know, there, okay. I never said I wasn't but going to do it. Time, I, I, don't just, know. I
2: didn't choose to do it last summer. Um, I guess I felt there were other things to do with my time but it's it's something that just kind of is on the back burner of my life <laughs> maybe we'll revisit later.
1: What did you do? You hired better than Ezra instead? Like come on like you got- <laughs> Oh man, you got to do man your friends must've been so disappointed. Yeah, I mean I put it out there to them and uh they they
2: they they laughed pretty hard so uh but little do they know that they're going to someday come to my house and actually right. see it.
1: So now you put it out there <laughs> We know that Stapp is on your list. Your friends are going to listen to this. You are beholden to this. What you've done here, Kirk, is you've created your own prison <laughs> as it pertains to bringing in Scott Stapp to your house. This is fantastic.
2: I'm trying to give content, you know, and it's true. And so, yeah, I put myself out there. But who knows? Maybe Scott Stapp lowers his price now.
1: I, I mean, I would imagine. I'm not a betting man, but I, it's probably not going up. You know, I, mean, I don't know. Um, all right. So we got to get Stapp to the cousin's house. Kirk, I'm going to pay for it myself. I, I got to have this happen. <laughs> Question number nine, your category, Kirk Cousins. Let's finish strong here. Your category is home and garden television. I know you are a fan of the HGTV. HGTV's highest rated program. Their number one highest rated program is what? I got to go with my gut here, might be wrong,
2: but Fixer Upper with Chip and Joanna Gaines would be my guess, although it did go off the air, so I don't
1: know if that counts. He goes Chip and Joanna Gaines, universally beloved couple, 100% approval rating down in Waco, Texas. And guess what, Kirk? The number one highest rated show is Fixer Upper. You got it. Shout out down there to Waco. You nailed it. You guys, um, do you celebrate the entire catalog of HGTV? Are you Property Brothers, Flip or Flop? Are you and Julie Channel surfing, just watching them all?
2: <laughs> uh, there was a time when I was and, uh, I think, you know, it goes with seasons of life. So like we were kind of in that mode of, okay, we're looking to buy a house now we're going to maybe build a house. And you just kind of got in that mode yeah. and you turn it on and you found yourself gravitating towards it. Well, we ended up building a house in my hometown in Michigan. And, uh, and we ended up buying a house when we moved to Minnesota, which we hadn't done in Washington. So we were on a house hunting there and we found one. So then you kind of get your house in Michigan where you grew up, you got your house in Minnesota where you play. And I was like, all right, I'm kind of now on the other side of that. So my my passion for it maybe has cooled in the last 6 months to a year but up until that point yeah i was i was trying to learn anywhere i could and that included when i flipped on the tv
1: did you ever see that just that one episode on hgtv where the couple wants an open floor plan and they decide to knock out a wall and open up the kitchen you ever see that one by one i, I mean every episode of every show yeah, ever
2: <laughs> yeah i was going to say i i didn't i didn't know about that specific one but i do love demo day
1: Oh, demo day's big. Get your goggles, your sledgehammer. This feels good. I like this sledgehammer. <laughs> um, let me, another question. What if, as part of the package, uh, Scott Stapp had to stay the night in your guest room? Would, would that Ooh. still be okay?
2: The question is, does that, does that drive his price up or do I negotiate him down?
1: <laughs> you tell me. You're the guy who does you know, does the, yeah. the franchise tags. Would you tag yeah. well, that's
2: And that's probably why people build guest houses. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 everything's on the table right now. I'm not going to close myself off to any option. Um, so absolutely. We'll, we'll consider right. anything.
1: We'll consider anything. We're almost done. So let me ask you a serious question. HGTV is often about people building their homes for the future. It's very much like we want to raise our kids here. We have all their goals for the future. Um, right now you're right in the prime of your football career. We talked about there's the young guys, there's the old guys, and there's you right in the thick of things. I know you're really goal-oriented. What are your football goals? Yeah, I think it's such
2: a team game that to say, hey, I want to win the Super Bowl, I want to win, you know, 14 games this year in the regular season, da-da-da, get home field, be the number one seed. It's like, okay, like, great, that sounds good. Last time I checked, you can't do that on July 23rd. So what's your plan for today? Um, It's kind of where my mindset is, is more of a, you know, what's important now mentality than, yeah, okay. We all have that goal down the road. Um, And so I guess for me, it's, you know, how can I, like you kind of said, as going into my ninth year now, a little bit more of a opportunity to lead, how can I bring a rookie along a Justin Jefferson, who we, who we just drafted or an Ezra Cleveland, who's a second round pick offensive lineman. How can I connect with them? um, You know, get them up to speed quickly, especially because we didn't have OTAs. That's where my goals lie, focus lies. You know, hey, I'm gonna get post practice work with these three guys today. Um, that's kind of where I'm focusing. And then you believe that in doing that and creating those good habits and focusing on those processes that, you know, the regular season, January, the big, big goals take care of themselves.
1: It's what I started with. Authenticity. There's a million guys who would have sat there and said, it's the same goal every year. We want to win the Super Bowl, <laughs> we want to beat the Packers. Like, we know that. But you're saying, yeah. look, I, I got stuff to accomplish here. And in the meantime, um, you know, I got kids crawling all over me who want to watch Paw Patrol. It's a difficult life. Man, what you can control.
2: You also learn how much, you know, there are games that I've been patted on the back because we won and I mm-hmm. just feel lousy on the bus. I didn't play well mm-hmm. and, and vice versa. You have these games that you lose and you get off the, the, the plane and you come home to your wife and she feels badly for it. And you say, yeah, Julie, it's tough. We lost, but I'm getting better. I played well today and I'm improving. And a year ago, I wouldn't have played that well. So it is a tough deal because if you make, you know, hey, we either we either win the Super Bowl or it was a failure, it's like, eh, it's slightly more complicated than that. There's a few more variables.
1: Well, we have only one more variable in this, and this is question number 10. You are four for nine. If you get this, you finish a right even five out of 10. And this is the essay portion, Kirk. This is an essay question in a sense where what I've done is I've gone and found a take of yours from the past, recent past, distant past. And you have 30 seconds to convince me of this take, that you were right about this particular topic. Mm. If I feel like you wrote a convincing essay, in a sense, I'll give you the point. If uh. I remain unconvinced, you get nothing. So All right. you'll have 30 seconds. Here is the take. I am aware, Kirk, that you feel that the wildly successful Avengers movies are flawed because of how much property damage the Avengers allow while they're avenging mid-battle. You have 30 seconds to convince me this is a serious blemish in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe because of how much property damage goes down. You're on the clock.
2: Yes, I've seen about 25% of the overall Avengers, Marvel, movies, universe, and... Uh... I never really feel at the end of the movie that their heroics and saving the city or the world helped if the entire city and world is in a complete post-apocalyptic environment where every single piece of commercial real estate has been destroyed entirely, and they're going to (laughs) spend the next decade rebuilding the city. At some point, your ability to fly through the air and crush things and leave buildings in a single bound is clearly not getting the job done because my entire livelihood is destroyed. Like if I own like a dry cleaner business in downtown Chicago and it just got leveled, like you may have saved my universe, but like I can't open my shop tomorrow. So like you're not really helping me the way I need you to. So it's hard to put put those guys on a, on a pedestal when their worlds are completely destroyed, regardless of whether or not the villains are also destroyed.
1: Can I tell you what a beautiful, beautiful take that was? Because, Kirk, you're thinking about the everyman. You're thinking about the every woman. And it's like, well, great job, Hulk, throwing that spaceship across the city. But I just spent my life savings opening a yoga studio. And I'm a small business owner. And my insurance policy isn't that great. And now the whole thing is smashed to hell. So I'm glad you saved the city. But now I'm going to be out of work. It's a beautiful yeah. take. You got the point, Kirk. And if you want to elaborate, give me more. Well, I just feel
2: like there's got to be a way to redirect that spaceship out to the ocean. Do we really need to send it back into Michigan Avenue where we're just going to destroy a hundred years of history of architecture? Like there's gotta be a better way as a superhero. Again, I'm going to hold you to a higher standard than the average man. And, uh, I just struggle with that. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's one of my things. I think just part of me is wired. I like nonfiction books. I like, documentaries. And so I think I just don't gravitate towards the superhero world as much, but that was the one thing that like came to mind right away was the property damage.
1: It's a little bit Kirk, like someone who like sees like thousands of people going crazy at a Metallica concert and are saying, you know, they're going to suffer hearing loss long-term. This is going to come back to bite them. It's such a buzzkill. And yet I totally respect it. Well, the villain, the villain has like a subtle win by
2: being able to at least see the total destruction of the metropolitan area.
1: Totally. And Kirk, you get a (laughs) subtle win because guess what, my friend, you have completed the 10 questions. It is over. You got five out of 10. I cannot thank you enough. As I said, you were my favorite player in the NFL at the beginning. I love you even more now. I only ask one more (laughs) thing, Kirk, I need you to call somebody out. Someone who you think would really thrive in this Mm. format and someone that maybe that your score could beat your five out of ten and do it, talk to this person right now. It has to be a non-Viking. It can be movies, music. It could be another quarterback. Talk to them right now and tell them to come on here and try to beat your score.
2: Wow, that's a great question. So many names come to mind. First of all, with the Vikings, I'm going to avoid those. Obviously, Scott Stapp's name came to mind for obvious reasons. (laughs) We can avoid that one. Um, You know, golly, I'm thinking across – you know, I'm thinking of Vikings fans who are like celebrities. I think of Marty sure. Fish, who just who just won the Lake Tahoe uh, yep. golf event, the American Central Championship. Marty's a big Vikings fan, you know, pro tennis player, was a top 10 player in the world. You know, I'm sure he'd be a great, great uh, interview. Uh, so I'm calling him out, Marty. You know, we've never met in person, Marty, but I, I like to play tennis in the offseason. Maybe we could play a little tennis and you could go on Kyle's show. Um, man. Yeah, Comics I'll leave it at that, that for like now. Out. But I, you know. I'll love to go uh to think of a few more maybe I can text you.
1: Sure, text me anytime, Marty Fish. Meanwhile, you can come on the show. Um but Kirk, we are done. 5 out of 10. Learned a lot. We are rooting for you this year. We love the entire Cousins family. We got a cameo from one of the members of the Cousins family and uh my closing thought is Kirk do the right thing as it pertains not only to the Vikings season, but as it pertains to the in-studio, in-home acoustic concert. If you ever want to come back on this program, Kirk, we will welcome you with arms wide open, and you know uh,
2: that—that's an outstanding <laughs> pun. Um, I'll just close by saying that whenever that concert does happen, if it, if it does happen, it will be an extremely exclusive invite, <laughs> and you have an invite. So just- I do. Yeah, you have an invite. It will be extremely exclusive, but you'll
1: have one. All right, I got to find my best uh, Ankh pendant to wear for Scott's staff. He's going to love that. Kirk, you're the best. Honestly, my favorite. Go get it. Thank you to the family and Skull Vikes, man. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, Kyle. 10 Questions with Kyle Brandt is a co-production by Spotify and The Ringer. The show is produced by Richie Bozek, Jason Gallagher, Noah Malale, and Steve Allman. Our theme song is by Matt Schiltz and Bobby Lord. Additional sound design by Bobby Lord.